Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 77, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Way too much cream. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? Outstanding. That is a classic Oreo drop, sir. Sure is. It's good stuff. Hey, who's that coming across the horizon? Is that the lead singer of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs? Wait a second. It must be someone else. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast. Number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hey, how are you guys? Good, man. Sad to be back in the studio Sadly, last time I was talked to you, I was in Denver, and that's you know sad to to have to come back to. I'd rather be there. Always sad, always sad to leave a good trip. Um, home, home is nice though. Right? It is. I think I I ate what has to be like four or five pounds of vegetables since I got back. Like nothing but vegetables. It wasn't great for our diets while we were there. I know that. It wasn't. It was terrible. No. And when I say diet, I mean none whatsoever. But it still wasn't great. I'm pleased that we ate lots of good food and drank lots of good beer and watched some good baseball. Yeah, I didn't think that in my 30s I'd be able to survive on pizza, but, well, what do you know? I can. Yeah, <laughs> you tried and succeeded. We had so much leftover pizza, though. Like, a lot. It was a travesty, really. It was. I don't know what happened. I, uh, I guess I'm a little bit confused as to why we decided to take it in the first place. I mean, I guess to be economical? But deep dish, yeah, usually it does sound. It is a lot of calories, but it's great. You didn't have deep dish, did you? Regular. It was delicious. I ate it all. Yeah, and then you didn't bring any back, any back and waste it either. I think I had one slice that I brought back and I ate it. Okay, that's fair. Ben, how how was the trip for you, man? All in all, it was an outstanding trip. Got to see some great baseball. Got to hang out with some really good people. Uh, plus, y'all were there. So, no, I'm kidding. No, it was an absolutely great trip. What did you think about the ballpark? Okay, so Coors Field, uh, I'd have to say probably nine and a half out of ten. Like, that was just a really good setup. It was big, but it felt small, like in a weird way. Like, it still had that small club feel to it. Like, you know, everyone was really friendly, and it wasn't a thousand degrees. So, I mean, all of that, it showed very well. Yeah, overall, I think it did. Good selection of everything. It, it felt like, I mean, it's not an old ballpark, but it felt really up to date, you know, and it felt like it was really well thought out. Like, we sat out in the bleacher seats out in, like, center field, and I felt like I was pretty much on top of the game overall. Like, I didn't feel like I was really close or anything, but, I mean, I still didn't feel like I was way far away even being at the furthest point. Yeah, totally. It was a great ballpark. It reminded me a little bit of City Field. Mm. Um, blended with a little bit of uh, the Nationals Park 
I'm not sure what it was. Well, really, City Field has like a big, nice open space in left field. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rockies had that same setup. Um, really nice, similar bleacher situations. I was really pleased with the bleachers, you know. Usually I'm on like second or, or like the third baseline or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, bleachers were awesome. They really were. It was a great like. So first of all, I thought that they were going to be kind of empty, but they filled up really quick. It seemed like it was a really popular thing. Yeah, I don't know if it was just the perfect weather for baseball. The fact that it was Star Wars night, which, by the way, we have to tell everyone about the Wookiee here in a few minutes. We will. But I don't know if it was because it was Star Wars night or what. But I mean, it was a really good crowd, really good turnout. And believe it or not, even though Colorado is, you know, like 52 and 60 right now, we got a really good ball game against San Francisco. It was, uh, it was some good back and forth and some good on the diamond drama. It stinks that they won the series, but we got to lo- uh, watch the only game that they lost. Because John Gray stinks out loud on occasion. I would agree. He I gave w- up four runs to the Giants in the first inning, and they never really looked back. Mm. Yep. They, well, they took the lead there in like the sixth or the seventh, and then they blew it. Really quickly. Actually. Well, I don't even know if they blew it. I'd say the Giants outplayed them. And the Giants, to their credit, they're just shy of 500. They're three and a half out of the wild card. Um, that was a better looking San Francisco team than I was expected or Colorado was just that bad. I don't know which yet. A little bit of both. I think the giants have really come alive. Um, Everybody pre- keeps pre- saying line. that though. They're a 500 team. I don't, I don't understand why people keep saying that. Yeah. Well, but I mean, if you're playing up to 500 or if you're playing down to 500, those are two, two totally different feelings. Sure. But. I think they were like 17 and five in their last 23 by the time we got there. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's, I mean, I just don't think, I mean, there's still a 500 ball club, so something's going on there. I mean, they they just sold at the trade deadline, other, everything other than Bumgarner. They did. They really gutted the bullpen um, at the deadline, so I'm not sure precisely what the strategy is. Maybe it's just like, let's see how far we can get. Yeah. But even if they snag a wild card spot, I mean, the NL teams that are going to win the divisions are just going to crush them. I was thinking yeah. about this earlier, too, though. You almost got to think that Madison Bumgarner is going to resign there no matter what happens. Like it just like like trading a guy like that is like an ownership type decision. And don't you think ownership probably I mean, you never know. No, but I mean, I could see him being a guy that would want to stay his whole career somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I also wonder if he's pretty bankable. Like I remember when Darvish was playing in Texas, there was easily a five to seven and a half thousand jump in attendance every night that Darvish was pitching. And I have to feel like the city of San Francisco, like they get a lift every time Mad Bum's on the mound. Yep. No that's doubt. A really about good that. Point. Yeah, that is a really good point. Uh, they I mean, I think that's definitely true because, I mean, he's the only notable person they've had. I mean, Jeff Samarja hasn't exactly worked out like everybody thought he would. But, I mean, he's never been more than, like, a 4-5 or five guy. Anyway. You know your team is bad when you get rid of Derek Holland. Right. Like, that's my point. So, I just I feel like they must know that he's, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, coming back kind of thing. I don't know what that deal will look like would be the only thing. I mean, what do you pay someone like him? A lot. A lot. But, damn, like, you're going to have to pay years, too, and that stinks. Yeah. Where is he from? I mean, does he have any allegiance to that region, or is he? Does he want to go closer to home? He's like a good I old think, boy. Yeah, he's we from like North Was Carolina, like Virginia or something. Yeah, like somewhere on the East Coast there. Because we looked at that whenever we were looking into the whole Madison Bumgarner dated Madison Bumgarner thing. <laughs> what if he went to the Nats or something to be closer to home? That'd be wild. 
also for what it's worth in front of us at the bleachers there were two men in like one was wearing a giant's t-shirt they had giant's ball caps this other dude was wearing like a classic giant's jersey i mean they were they were there and they did not seem to appreciate me pointing out that Madison Bumgarner dated someone named Madison Bumgarner. No, they did, not, they did not. They just looked at you with blank looks on their faces. And I was like, I might as well have been a Martian to them. No, like they literally had no idea what you were talking about, which I mean, it is a wild story. But like, it's not that hard to wrap your head around, given the context that you gave them. And I think my favorite part is not 20 seconds later. Jimmy Midtown jumps in and tries to tell them the exact same factoid. And I was like, no, Jimmy, they don't care. I've already tried. Yeah, we already know that didn't land. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, they, so that guy also, looked at you with just a bl- the most blank stare I've ever seen. Absolutely. It looks like uh, when you ask your dog to do anything that they're not trained for, and they just kind of stare at you with this confused sort of, what are you talking about, man? That was what they, they do. the side head thing where they tilt their head. <laughs> They might as well have. It's kind of like I'm listening, but also don't really understand what the hell you're talking about kind of thing. Trying um, to get the blood in my brain to the critical thinking centers. <laughs> exactly. Is that what they're doing? Exactly. I did have one complaint about the bleachers, and it's more about the family that was behind us than anything else. So did you guys have any experience whatsoever with the family behind us? I don't think you did, Sam, because you were sitting one row lower. I'm going to likely, I, if you're going where I think you're going, I'm going to likely take the counterpoint on this, but go ahead. Hmm, interesting. Um, family man likes the family. No family man doesn't like the family. Here we go. Mm-hmm. The thing Don't is... Don't call him no family man. It's not like he's an orphan. Or yeah. <laughs> I have no family. Um, Mark that. I, <laughs> so this kid that was with them, they weren't like... So they had like him like being able to run it up and down the little way, like at least in front of them, like they were just kind of giving him the freedom to kind of play or whatever, which I have no problem with. What I did have a problem with was him when he kept pushing like the back, like he kept pushing me in the back and then he kept poking at my head. That's not okay. You just have a very pokeable head, J-Mac. Take the counterpoint, Ben. I fucking dare you. Go. Absolutely. So number one, they talked to me about it. So like while you were off filming, like the mom brought it up because at a certain point he like caught himself on my shoulder to keep from falling. This kid was probably between 18 months to two years old. So not a big kid, you know, just yeah. kind of toddling around. If he's um, falling, I have no problem with it. Like if he like if he was falling towards you, no problem with that. Now, did you want me to take the counterpoint or did you want to interrupt? Hey, shut your fucking mouth. I'll end this thing right goddamn now. Go ahead. So basically, she went ahead. Uh, the mom was like, sir, he keeps poking you. I'm so sorry. And I was like, look, I have little ones at home. I totally get it. It's part of it. No big deal. So I had already kind of given her permission to at least be like, you know, don't swat his hand away if he's just keeping himself from falling or whatever. Now, granted, they may have taken that to say, go pull on Justin's ears, which wasn't what I said, although I probably should have. I just think that, uh, you know, when you got a kid, that's what you do. Yeah, you've got a bad counterpoint here, though, because what you you didn't specify anything. You just said, oh, it's fine for him to do free rate. He could have run all over the stadium poking everybody in the head. For all we know, he did. I, I doubt it, because I'm pretty sure I was around the stadium more than he was. At least I wasn't at my seat for very long. But it really, it, it again, it's not a huge deal. It was just more annoying than anything else. And it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, 
I, I understand the kids thing and everything, but like my dad would have had me sit down in my chair, like regardless of how old I was. Sounds pretty young, but if if the kid is not able to control himself and it's bothering other people, I probably would have tried to control the kid. But at the same same rate, like parents want the kid to get worn out and have some fun. And sometimes that just comes at the expense of other people when you have someone who's below two years old. Mm hmm. All I'm saying is other people suck. I think that's where I'm getting at. <laughs> I think they left in the fifth, I think. Did they? I don't know. I don't even I didn't even really come back to the seats because we were out doing some other stuff. So I don't really know. So I also feel like I was the last person to the party to realize that the purple line in the third deck was the mile high mark in the mm. city. So it's like a cool inside the stadium. You can see exactly one mile from sea level painted on the, the bleachers. It's really unique. I like that. It's it made me think of the red seat at the at Fenway. I still mm -hmm. don't know what that is. That's the uh, Ted Williams long home run thing. Mm. Where that was like the lot, like it was hit like all the way the fuck out there, and apparently like the guy wasn't nearly ready for it because it's so far. But <laughs> I mean, how? We'll Did get they paint it with blood. I mean, if he wasn't ready, yeah. Did he just... I think he got hit like right nope. in the face. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll look into the history of that though. I don't want to misspeak on the facts, so I'll get I'll get back to everybody on that. I'm yeah, sorry, derailed from the Rockies, but yes. it no, it's painted it's a good with thing. the blood of Ted Williams. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, no, I I uh, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else ballpark related? So I think ballpark tangential uh, location in the city is clutch. Like yes. that was just great. I'm a sucker for downtown, easy to access ballparks. I've said it on the show before. Uh, Target Field in Minneapolis is in a great location. You get to open up and see the skyline. Plus you can walk out and there's stuff to do as opposed to Arlington. At least until this or last year, there was nothing around uh, Globe Life Park where the Rangers play. Now they have Rangers live and, you know, they're starting to build it up a bit more. But I mean, otherwise, it's just a parking lot next to Six Flags. And you're not going to go to Six Flags before or after a baseball game. Well, most people don't. You do. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I've done that once, too. Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. It's a great use of time. I just I rode the Titan and then I went to a ball game. Yeah. Was which it? one did you vomit? Uh, at uh, Mike Miner giving up runs. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I had a feeling that's where you were headed with that. <laughs> I love the move, though. I mean, it is. I love that they've gone to the whole like, like so many ballparks have done this. We've talked about this a bunch already, but they've gone to the whole like having all the stuff around it, so it's more of an experience for the day versus just a one shot thing, and it makes a whole lot of sense. I think it's cool. But I like the feel of it being downtown. It reminded me of like almost like Camden Yards or something like that or Petco and that styling where you were still downtown with a lot of the buildings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'd like to go go up to City Field, maybe bug Jimmy for a bit. But I think that just the idea of the, the downtown ballpark, it just makes it makes the fans feel more of a sense of ownership, you know, because you have this team in your yard, quite literally. You don't have to drive. 45 minutes across the Metroplex to park and walk two miles. And, you know, like if you can, oh, yeah, I'm going to go grab a burger and then maybe um, we'll all get together for drinks and then we'll, you know, yeah. meander up to the stadium 20 minutes before before first pitch. It's just a really good sort of uh, experience type thing that that's built into that. Yeah, it's way more of an experience than it is anything else. And I, I, 
I mean, you almost have to engage sports fans more that way now just because it's so easy and it's so much almost better to sit at home and, you know, like watch it on the couch and not pay $8 a beer or whatever, you know, like it's a almost a better experience a whole lot of times. So you've got to do something that like helps you appeal to the the overall experience. You know, I mean, look at Ben, you're a great example. Like, what do you do with the family? What do you do, you know, with the kids, all that stuff like you want to have answers for all of those things. Yeah, no, and I, I just let mine poke the people in front of them. Is that a problem? As long as it's not me, it's fine. <laughs> now, uh, also, y'all get bonus points for uh, drinking Coors Original at Coors Field. I mm, thought yes. there was some poeticness to that that I certainly enjoyed. It was a must. Banquet beers are pretty damn good in Denver and nowhere else. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. It's about. something about the freshness of the actual water they use that's just absolutely fantastic. But a day old, no dice. Not good. I think I had like three or four very large banquets at that game. Do you think that has to do with like the altitude and stuff though? Like as far as like fizz and all that? Like how could that possibly be if they bottle it and ship it elsewhere that it tastes differently? It must be something like that. Uh, I have no idea. It could also just be like the romance of it. Like oh, I just probably. really want it because I'm there. <laughs> yeah, no, probably. I mean, I, I've been to the factory and toured it. I think it's incredible. We're going to have to do that at some point. It's, yeah. It's awesome. I, uh, I'm trying to think ballpark related anything else. The Okay, so this is something I was thinking about. So in the same vein of like like s- ballparks that are in the city that have a feel to them. So we haven't been to all of them, so we can't speak to it specifically from like firsthand experience. But what would you guys say, like what ballpark has the best city view? Because honestly, Detroit's probably up there. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And I know like, the Cardinals stadium is up there. Camden is pretty well. Camden is just really well. Like I like just the stylings of it, but I don't know if you really see much of the city. So yeah, I, I agree with St. Louis. I mean, that's a really good pick for this, this discussion. Cause you're right across from the arch. You're right in the downtown area. Plus it's a, you know, very storied franchise. You know, I know that in New York, there's a subway stop like specifically for uh, New Yankee Stadium and all that so they have that going for it but then again it's in the Bronx you know it's not in Manhattan or it's not quite you yeah. know obviously it's all built up around it because it's New York but it's not necessarily like your true downtown sort of ballpark that's true doesn't PNC have a really good view of Pittsburgh let's see I think it does let's take a look slander and, Pittsburgh uh, for a moment AT&T or I guess it's uh, T-Mobile now, and San Francisco has a great view of the Bay Bridge. Yeah, so that's different, though. That's not like a downtown view, because I, I think that has the best view, period. Yeah. Oh, I see. We're going for skylines. Yeah, I'm just curious about the skylines. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's was kind of okay. Yeah, Cincinnati's was good. PNC might be the best skyline view, honestly. I mean, it looks fantastic. I, I didn't even... And the bridge thing is just awesome. Were there any cool ones in uh, Japan, Sam? So, yes. The um, Hiroshima Carp have a great view of Hiroshima. There's no like iconic-looking buildings in that city, and it's a fairly small city, but you can see a good amount of it. Do you um, know why there isn't? It's actually interesting you bring that up. Uh, I, I could say, but T- I'd rather... Today is the 74th anniversary. <laughs> Yikes. Ouch. We uh, we stayed in the tallest building in Hiroshima, and it's only like forty something stories. Okay. 
Interesting. Amazing place. Plug plug for Japan. Go there. It's fun. See baseball. Yes. They have a team named the Swallows as well. They have some of the best team names. I mean that that's an incredible team name. Are they Swallows? Like, what's their logo like? It's a fucking blue swallow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was hoping they got the blues part right. <laughs> they did. I think it's a play on like the Orioles logo, but blue. Ooh, I love that even more. I'll have to fact check myself on that one. But um, the Ham Fighters, perhaps the best possible name for. Yes, absolutely. That's just a given. That that will never be beat, no matter what happens. Like, unless you're talking minor league teams like the Toledo Mud Hens or something, like, there's some really good minor, but, like, as far as the highest of high-ranking teams, the Nippon Ham Fighters is great. I did enjoy wearing my Jumbo Shrimp shirt around at the ball game, and nobody noticed. It was fantastic that nobody knew. Even had my own name on the back of it and everything. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think, I think PNC is probably one of the best skyline views, honestly. It's definitely top five. We'll have to kind of rank them, maybe. That'd be a good slow day thing to do on this show, I think. I agree more. I think that that's a wonderful use of our time. I would agree. What else have we got for trip-wise? We went to that brewery. Mm, yeah. What do you think of the Great Divide? I thought it was very good. I think I had probably too many beers before the uh, the baseball game. And then also the hot dog place we went to is fantastic. I got a rattlesnake and pheasant sausage with like bacon and cheese on it. It was out of this world. Yes, uh, I think it was, what was the name of that? It was like Biker Jim's hot dog plates. Yeah, yeah. something so like that. So Biker Jim's, their vegan dog was incredible. I didn't go for meat per se, but there was definitely some unique meat options on the menu for people who were so inclined. Uh, definitely a good dog, though, for sure. I would like to specially shout out our own, our very own Ben Baseball and Jimmy Midtown both for staying back and cleaning up everybody's trash that we left. I don't think it was a place where we were supposed to leave everything on the table, or they didn't think seem to think so. You weren't, and you're welcome. Oh, no. Wait, I wasn't what? You weren't supposed to leave your trash on the table, oh, but that's you were okay. Not. We're a team here at Sensibly Loud Media. We are. We waited for you way down the street. <laughs> 14 blocks away. <laughs> oh, my God. Did we really do that? No, I waited for him outside. You guys were like just like catty corner to us. Not a big deal. Oh, it wasn't that far. You guys were just looking for shade. Yeah, that was 100%. Y'all were like, where's a tree or a building that I can be out of direct sunlight? Because that was, I mean, the sun, like, the, it was hot in Denver for sure. But it was... Nice when you were in the shade because it was kind of breezy and it's still the mountains in the summer. But, I mean, any chance we got, we were trying to find shade because I think Jimmy and Brandon both burned in the first day while we were waiting for the rental car, which, go listen to Sensibly Loud Radio for more of that because oh, what an absurd fun. situation. It really was. Yeah, all in all, great trip, great stadium, great ball game. Uh, great franchise. I know some of y'all were rocking some Rockies gear. Power to you on that. That was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. All in all, outstanding trip. You know what it also made this uh, trip outstanding, Ben? What's that? Our sponsor today for the show. Oh, tell me more. So today's show, you guys probably heard, is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. 
Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening now. It's that easy. Go to audible.com, excuse me, audibletrial.com slash SLM to get started. Ben, have you checked out Audible before? Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, I waited to get a free trial through Sensibly Loud Media, and I'm about to tear through um, an audiobook about, you'll never guess, World War II. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like it. Yeah, I, I use it all the time as well. I was actually sad that I couldn't use the free trial because I already use this service, and it's the best. I don't have time to sit down and read books anymore. I just don't have the time. And so it's great that I can, you know, listen to it as I go. And, you know, maybe in little bits at a time, but I'm able to get through books that way and actually able to, you know, educate myself in a better way. So I think Sam probably feels something similar. Absolutely. Yeah, I use Audible all the time on my very short now commute to work. Um, there's like a backlog of books that I'm really looking forward to purchasing. Um, and the, the voice acting that they use in Audible, not o- acting, the reading is just fantastic. Um, really engaging stuff. I love it. The best part not, about I'm it. I'm also just not a good reader. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be totally I'm a terrible reader, so um, to have a book read to me is uh, soothing and excellent. A pleasant voice, even whenever you speed it up, it still sounds pretty natural. It's they they do well with all that stuff. So we're happy to have them as a sponsor. Remind everyone to download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com/slm. That's audibletrial.com/slm. Uh, so I was looking at the run sheet. We've got a, a few things that have happened baseball wise. I am still incredibly angry about the Red Sox not doing anything at the deadline. And they are like one in seven or something like that since. They're absolutely a, just a pig vomit of a team. They're just terrible. They really are. They're absolutely horrible. And like they. What is that expression? <laughs> I, I just the grossest thing I could possibly think of, Ben, because it just does nothing but make me angry when I think about how awful the starting rotation has been in the last. Seven starts, the rotation has a 12 ERA. Ew. That includes Chris Sale and David Price. That's unacceptable. And the bullpen isn't any better. The team is deflated. They threw in the towel in this season, even though they don't really want to admit it. And it infuriates me that they try to pass it off as anything but awful. I mean, Andrew Kashner was the only thing they acquired at the trade deadline. That's not a fucking nuff. That's not at all. That's nothing. Well, and I think that if they were operating at parity and no one else added anyone and they added Kashner, okay, you've improved. But if you look at the other teams in the division, specifically the Yankees, because they're at the top of the division, but even Tampa, Houston, Minnesota, Cleveland, all of those teams have winning records in the last 10 games. You know, mm-hmm. Boston is the the first team with a losing record in the American League when you're looking at them from high to low. It's insanity. It really is. And, like, the only solace I take with all of that is that the Yankees didn't add to their starting rotation either. And, I mean, it doesn't matter because they've been, like, whacked out of this whole thing anyway. Now they've got – they're playing a series right now against the Royals, the Angels, and then the White Sox. So, I mean, they've got some – places to make up ground, but I mean, they got swept by the Rays and demolished by the Yankees. So, I mean, they've, you know, like all those things matter and those are divisional games. So you can't make anything up there. When did the, when did the Red Sox have that players only meeting? 
Was it before this skid? That or? was between the the doubleheader this last Saturday. Right. That was between the two games. So they had already dropped, I think, five at that point. What do you think happened during that players only meeting? Who who got their ass torn up? I mean, everybody's sucking. It must have been everybody, I would think. I mean, I was looking I pulled a few things for you here. Um in regards to that. So since June twenty second, the Red Sox are hitting two ninety five with an eight seventy one OPS. That the team's highest that's the team's uh highest batting average and second highest OPS in the majors over that thirty seven game span. They've gone seventeen and twenty over those thirty seven games. Only the Mariners, Royals, White Sox, and Tigers have been worse in the American League. So whenever they came to that players only meeting, there was definitely some ass chewing. I mean that's not good company, those teams. No. Not at all. Not for a team that just won a World Series with basically the same team. So what's it going to take to turn around the, the rotation, the pitching staff? I mean, I think that time's already passed, to be honest with you. I don't think there is any turning it around. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, which I definitely didn't see coming. So, yeah, right now they're five and a half back in the wild card uh, to get the second spot. So, I mean, they definitely have some ground to make up. Uh, plus, it's against you know Tampa is the second best team in the division right now. Yeah, I mean, there's they're not even what. How many games back at the division are they? Who, um, Boston or yeah, Boston? Uh, Tampa. Uh, Boston is currently sitting. So the Yankees are seventy three and thirty nine. Boston's fourteen and a half back at sixty and fifty five. Oh, that is also insane. what I didn't realize until just looking at the standings right now. Uh, Yankees and Dodgers are tied with winning percentages point six five two. So I know that everyone's talking about how great the Dodgers are, but. The Yankees have, um, you know, the exact same winning percentage, and that's terrifying. Yikes. I'm going to give you guys just a, a couple a little more stats I pulled. So over those 37 games we talked about, the starters have got, have, have a 6-2-6 ERA, second worst in the majors, The only, and then the rotation, or the only, uh, the only rotation that's been worse was the Yankees with a 6-5-4 ERA, yet over that same span they went 24-12. And David Price and Chris Hill together have a 6.72 ERA in their last 15 starts. Ugh. That's all, every bit of that's unacceptable. That's not a good look. It's definitely not. And I mean, like we talked about this, they have the offense. It's not an offensive problem. I mean, that hasn't been stellar, but I mean, last year they they weren't really in a whole lot of like close game situations because they just blew everybody out. But even then. They still had the reinforcements of like Craig Kimbrell to come out just in case they did did need to close a game. They don't have that now. They don't have any kind of bullpen right now. So I mean, it, I don't feel like this was an avoidable situation. Like, what should they have done in the off season to really counteract Sale and Price like totally shitting the bed? You know, you can't help yeah, that. That you can't help, and that's just going to have to work itself out. And this is probably just I I, I really don't know what's going to happen next. I still trying to wrap my head around a whole lot of this but that's not something you can necessarily work out but what you can work out is not demoralizing the team right out of the gate by not doing anything to your bullpen and letting joe kelly and craig kimball walk out the door which i mean craig kimball's on yeah. the, the il as of today and joe kelly's been terrible so i mean ultimately those probably haven't been huge misses for him but i mean that probably would have been about the same place they're in right now 
Well, but counterpoint, you, you can't necessarily say that if those players were still playing in Boston, that they would be injured at this juncture. Absolutely. You know, for yeah. all we know, it, it could have turned around momentum. It could have given them, you know, some of these close games that they lost, they may have actually won. So I do want to caution us of saying, well, they're injured now. So no, I, I, I wasn't generalizing that because I wasn't even done with my thought, pal. <laughs> no, but what I was uh, finishing saying, though, was just that, Ben, that they they ultimately wouldn't have gotten in these spots where they're demoralized right out of the gate. And so they were, you know what I mean? Like it's a momentum turner as far as that goes, or at least an emotional type of thing where it's like supportive of the actual clubhouse. I think that matters too. That's a really interesting point. Like the intangible benefits of acquiring talent, like it impacts the rest of the team's approach And if you get a bunch of really good acquisitions, the team's going to be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to really perform now because we got X, Y, or Z. That's really interesting. Yeah. It it just, all those factors matter, whatever we're talking about humans here. And it just, I, I, I can't get that out of my mind as far as like, it just, something hasn't felt right all year. And this doesn't, like all this kind of makes sense. And like I was watching the game last night against, the uh, Royals and I mean they're at home at Fenway they should be fine and uh, they had a they were like leading the game five to one the whole time and like uh, they got it it came to like five four I almost thought they were for sure gonna blow it because it just seems like that's been the case over and over and they just have not been able to turn that corner we talked about and it seems like they're regressing because of it so on this podcast, we've talked before about the World Series hangover. Do you think that's it, or do you think it's something else, something larger? I don't know. Probably a little bit of both, honestly. I, I still I still think the World Series hangover thing matters here, but something about the front office and the way they've handled this season has not been optimal. And I've talked about it. I've described it as arrogant. I've described it as pitiful, and it's all of the above. I just... I wonder, I mean, Dave Dombrowski's going to a contract year here. I mean, you got to wonder. I mean, they're going to have to tear this thing down at some point in this window. Like, this was a window year. Like, that's what I don't understand is, like, your window's only open for so long before it slams shut on you. So, like, you have Mookie Betts coming up as a free agent. you got Andrew Benintendi coming up as a free agent. JD can opt out of his contract. All these things could look very different very fucking quickly. So when you have a front office that's sitting there dragging its ass on the ground and not doing what it needs to do to win that's a problem so i don't know what's going to happen here i really don't that's that's the whole thing yeah i don't think the window's closed i think you you have so many of the right pieces in place and the guys i mean this group won the world series last year they're not just going to say oh you know one year after that didn't go so well i'm out um yeah no for sure no, that's worst case scenario, right? Like, not a, like that's not all going to happen. I yeah, I get I the hope. sense that guys like Mookie and JD are so magnetic that the Benintendis and other folks, the ancillary uh, cast members will want to stick around. It doesn't feel like Alex Cora has had a lot of control over what's happening. Well, and that's, that's what I was kind of wondering about because I feel like he's gotten ejected twice in the last week, notably in the game right before the players-only meeting. Um, so it just makes me wonder kind of what all is going on in that clubhouse. What are people's buy-in to him? Because maybe they're still playing for each other, but they're not playing for Cora. I'm not saying that that's true because I think he's a young dude. He knows exactly what he's doing, but it just makes me wonder if that's potentially on the table. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, 
we all, we've talked about this at length, I think, that a manager will always consider going out and getting himself tossed if it means that it's going to help circle the wagons a little bit and kind of get things back on track. And you're right. He has done that a lot more recently. I don't it I don't know if it resonates well. And this almost goes back to the locker room thing that we talked about in the episode with Sam, Jimmy and I where like the media market can do and I'm not blaming them by any means or anything like that, but like the way that clubhouse operates a lot of times because it's always been so heavily dictated on the storylines of it, it almost like when it feels deflated, it really feels deflated kind of thing. And so I, you got to wonder, like, I mean, obviously people aren't writing praise about them. They shouldn't be. They're bad. So would you say that it's like the, the pendulum swings really far, yeah. whether it's going one way or another, and some of that momentum can can kind of remain? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it just, it, like I said, it, it's just had a weird feel all year. It's never felt good, though. It's felt like we're just trying to get back around that corner, back around that corner. So it's incredibly frustrating, but I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I don't. I mean, they're not too far out of the wild card, but I'm. I haven't seen anything yet that makes me believe that they're going to go on some kind of magical run here. I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think that I am. The talent's there. I wouldn't count it out entirely. No, definitely not. But I mean, like Mookie being on the IL right now doesn't help. Uh, you know, stuff like that just. It all starts to pile up really fucking quick, especially as we get midway through August, late August. You know, it stuff matters. So yeah, you start to run out of weeks for sure. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, you've got series against the Yankees. I mean, a lot of divisional stuff coming up in September. I mean, their their September schedule is horrendously bad for how the, how terrible they've been playing. And we talked about this at the beginning of the year that it could end up. I mean, we I think we all expected. I'm pretty sure we all had the Yankees coming out of the AL East. I'm pretty yes. sure that's right. And I, I'm not surprised by that at all. But what I am surprised at is how bad Boston's been based on how good they were last year. It's just been such a drastic change. And if I, I were yelling about a team that's been doing this for five, six years, I probably wouldn't even be as angry. I mean, I wouldn't be happy, but I wouldn't be as angry as I am given how much potential I know they have to Sam's point. Yeah, and it just doesn't make any sense, right? It's not as though last season they had lightning in a bottle. The talent is there to do that year over year. That window is open. This isn't like the Royals just like taking it in 15 or whatever year that was. Right. That, that's a good point. It's, it's not like a destiny type thing. Like it was built the right way, and that's the whole idea. But, I mean, when your GM just closes the door on you, I, <laughs> I mean, that's inexplicable. It really is. And I... Like, I, I just, the thing I can't wrap my head around and the thing that I just don't freaking buy from him is him sitting there talking about how people were calling about their relievers. Like, why why would teams be calling about the World Series champions relievers who are, look, like, clearly looking to try to do something on the aggressive? And I, that none of that makes sense. And then it gets into this whole thing, why are you lying about that? You know, and then it just, something about it feels not great. I don't know if it's ownership. It doesn't seem like it would be because they don't have a whole lot to trade left. I mean, they've got the worst farm system in the minors. So, I mean, the things you're trading are big pieces. So you got to hope that you get like a Lance Lynn or somebody like that that's controllable. Which, that didn't mean didn't to rip that, that scab off. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's like whenever you walk outside and you see there's a fish in your shoe 
You don't know why, but you know that it's not supposed to be that way. That's what's going on in Boston right now. Correct. Just a shoe full of fish. Hey, Ben, is this a common expression that you've pulled out of your shoe? Uh, no, this was a this was an original. This was an OG for our first episode sponsored by Audible. So I oh, thought yeah. I'd try it out. Oh, Excellent. We'll, we'll try to speak that into an existence kind of thing. We do that on this show. Kind of like trying to bring back the word tight. It's gone well. Now it's maybe overboard. There was a day in Colorado. It might have been the last day. Um, I said tight. There, I must have said it like 12 times. Each time it's ironic, but like if you say it enough, it's not ironic anymore. And Ben just goes, you need to stop. And I go, <laughs> I, I had a moment of deep reflection clarity. and I go, you're right. <laughs> just absolute clarity. <laughs> to be fair. I only said that like I didn't just jerkingly come in and tell you what to say or not to say. Uh, I only said it because you were like, God, I need to stop saying this. And you had actually indicated to us either the day or two before, like I I started saying this ironically and now I can't stop saying it. And I empathize because I did the same thing with bro. And now that's I'll address the dog as bro, the bro, you're on my pillow. And it's, I meant for it to be ironic, but now I just can't stop. So when you express to me, I need to stop saying tight, 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 tight. Like everything was tight. And so I said, hey, you should stop doing that. And I guess that was, yeah. it came across like an intervention. And for that, I apologize. No, it was the correct nudge that I needed to, to make up an important life decision. And it sounds like Sam hadn't said tight until we signed on to do this podcast today. So correct. I hope we're not being a bad influence on you. Oh, you are for sure. That's okay, though. I'd say two things about this. One, love the ricochet shot to Duster Dan by calling your dog bro. Two, <laughs> two. <laughs> I think Sam was really successful in this campaign. He just, you know, went a little overboard with it. I mean, you had people, everybody saying tight. Yeah, everybody in the office says tight now. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, Carl said it the other day. I think Jimmy said it ironically the other day. I mean, but that's the funny part about this is, like, everybody's making fun of it. But at the same time, I think your campaign was successful. Sam, Just, like, chasing parked cars is what I'm doing. <laughs> I was going to say, no, don't sell yourself short. You, sir, are an influencer. Mm. Chasing parked cars. I don't know cars. if I like that. I think that the chasing park cars thing should be in the pantheon with the fish and the shoe. I mean, I think chasing park cars is a real one. It is. This is a known idiom. No, it definitely is. <laughs> it just feels like it should be there. That's a known idiom, whereas I'm a known idiot. Right. Then did I use the word idiom in the correct way? Yeah, I, think, I so. think you did. Sweet. You usually keep me pretty honest. I'll say words, and the context makes it make sense, but like, it just doesn't work. You don't know. Maybe. Well, I'm sure Duster Dan will let us know and maybe a few other things towards his brother there. I don't know. We'll see. But In yeah. fact, he actually got onto me for calling him bro. So do you want to know what, what I call him whenever I answer the phone? Bro. I call him twin. We call each other twin. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Uh, you know what's really confusing to me is the Mets. Yeah. I don't know what to make of the Mets. It feels like they're just on a hot streak. They've won 10 of their last 11. I saw on Twitter this morning people talking about Mickey Calloway being considered as manager of the year. No. That is wrong. No. Talk about being an influencer. Somebody fucking inceptioned that idea (laughs) into the universe. (laughs) They got an unfollow for me, I'll tell you that much. That's just (laughs) terrible reporting. Yeah, you heard it here first, right, from Mickey Calloway's Twitter account. 
They're they're ten and one in their last eleven. Um, they have a fantastic rotation. They have two of the best hitters in the NL. There's no reason they shouldn't be good. But I mean, I agree. Their infield defense is really bad, though. The defense is bad. The management is bad. Um, actually, you know, I take back what I said. There's a lot of reasons that they uh, should be bad. None of them are about the talent on the field outside of the defense. Right. And I like I've been fascinated by this conversation because we've been talking about it a lot lately about like the top down thing and like how organizations that aren't functional at the the highest level are dysfunctional all the way down, like even down to the players. And it's really true, dude. Like and it's really hard to describe. That's nothing you can quantify. It's kind of like we were talking about the uh, clubhouse thing a minute ago. But it's a really interesting like conversation and thought to kind of mull around because it's, I mean, it's just like any other business at, at the end of the day then. Well, and so I think for me, the part of it that's, that's most interesting is that all of your talent in the National League is either the Dodgers, almost all of the NL East, or most of the NL Central. Like just there's, there's such a disparity in the talent level, or at least the records rather, in the NL East where four teams are above 500 NL central where three teams are and the NL East where it's just the Dodgers and everyone else's garbage. This is exactly what we dealt with, with the AL central for last year. Right. Yeah. It's just really top heavy on one side. I, boring. I very boring. Uh, when, so we're, I'm trying to think Were the giants, the last NL team to win a world series. Cubs. Oh, Cubs. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Cubs. Yeah. Hmm. I think before that it was San Francisco in 14, I think it was. So, I mean, I think it's, is it pretty much a lock that it's Dodgers Astros at this point? Like, I, I don't see how any team beats either of those throughout the playoffs. It's really hard for me to say it's a lock, but I mean, that is the most likely scenario. Either that or Dodgers Yankees. Yeah. Hmm. I just don't think the Yankees have the starting pitching. I really don't. And they're, they're really hurt right now, too. Which I mean, Those I guess Astros rotation unbelievable. I know. Did Granky go tonight or does he go tomorrow? Don't know. I think he goes tomorrow. I'm pretty sure. I ben, think you tomorrow. Don't you have him on your fantasy team, Ben? Yes, I do. Oh, I realized that today, uh, and it should be tomorrow that he goes. Speaking of that, I would like to shout out to Ben Baseball for picking up a fantasy win against me this week. Good work, sir. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it was definitely a don't count your chicken scenario. Uh, it got real dicey on Saturday. Uh, however, at the end of the day, the Springfield Isotopes were able to muster their sixth win of the season. So <laughs> you're you're incredibly lucky that Chris Sale showed up to be the pitcher that he's been this year and mm -hmm. not last year. Because talk about something that's really frustrating. <laughs> So I I'm, don't doubt that at all. That could have been the difference maker for sure. So I think you did you drop from first? Were you in first before? I was. I dropped to third, but I'm, okay. who's who's in first now? Is it Marty? Alex. Alex, Alex is unrightfully in first. He has like 5,100 points. He's just ekes out a couple of weird wins. Well, I'm playing him this week, so hopefully I take him down. Yeah. By the way, I misspoke. Grinky is on the mound tonight in Colorado. Ooh, oh wow! Interesting. He should be familiar with that place, having. Pitch for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Got to think that that was strategic in a way. Yeah. They should have just left him in that time zone. <laughs> Market. Market. 
Justin, can you tell everyone your take on time zones? No, we're not going there again. I'm marking that. Hold on. Should have just left him in that time zone. That's right. That's exactly Fantastic. it. All right. What else do we have going on around the diamond that we want to make sure that we cover? Should we talk about the Reds for a moment? I had a, a bit of, I, I was reading about go figure baseball today during work <laughs> on like a very short break. And I get the sense that the Reds might be good soon. Yeah, I agree with you. So I'm looking at their rotation right now. They obviously just acquired Trevor Bauer. Uh, they have Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's having a little bit of a renaissance campaign. His last seven starts have been fan-fucking-tastic, like classic Sonny Gray. And if uh, all three of those guys can stay in true form next season, that is not a rotation that you're going to want to face in that NL Central. How many games back are they right now? They're, like, terribly back. Uh, let me no, look. they're not that they, far back. They are seven and a half back, you're right, okay. and five and a half back in the wild card. And they, So they've dropped a little bit because they were, like, three and a half back, like, a week ago. Yes, it's also worth noting that they have a plus 33 run differential, but their win percentage is 477. Um, mm. To put that into context, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers have a negative 27 run differential, and they're 509. Okay, interesting. Well, so they're, they're scoring way more runs, but losing more games. So there's, there might be some quirky, weird losses in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, their, their offense can't uh, really be producing a whole lot of um, garbage this season. They've got Nick Sensel, they've got Eugenio Suarez, um, and Joey Votto, and then uh, Derek Dietrich kind of having a breakout campaign. Also, I think if they do some some good things in the winter meetings this season, they could really um, make an impact next year. Yeah, it sucks that they lost. And I guess the biggest thing to consider is that they lost Puig and Scooter Jeanette. Yeah. So I mean, that's big parts of their offense that they probably had earlier in the year that they don't have now. That's I mean, they've almost you got to wonder if they are how they're looking at themselves right now, because they do have really good pitching. Well, and go ahead. I was just going to say that I did read today uh, that the Reds have signed Brad Boxberger to a minor league deal. So it's just an interesting sort of long term investment friend of the pod Boxberger. Yep. Uh, And then the other worthwhile. Oh, go ahead. A great shirt we own. Yes, and the other worthwhile Reds note is, I don't know if you know this, the MLB Players Weekend is coming up where they get to put their names on their jerseys, and uh, Joey Votto is playing homage to Abbott and Costello's Who's on First, and he's going to be Who. Ooh, that's pretty that's good. Great. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. So if you're going to go with a, a baseball nickname, that's a pretty good one. Ben, pull those up real quick and see if there's any good ones. It's yeah, a pretty we'll good joke for someone in his condition, wouldn't you say? <clears throat> yes, definitely agree the skyline chili <laughs> exactly it's the chili did you guys see that tim beckham got suspended for 80 games today for uh peds no i missed that what'd he do uh one of the more popular ones i always forget what the hell they're called cot was he doing cot uh i think it was some sort of horse tranquilizer ah excellent i hope you're making that up but that's wonderful <laughs> that's my favorite thing to call steroids what do we got on the the names all right um let's see I think that uh, Ty Buttry as the peach and the tree emoji, I think, is an interesting one. Anytime you get emojis going on, mm-hmm. let's see. Uh, yeah, that was why we bought the, the Boxburger shirt back a couple years ago. Yep. Colin McHugh of the Astros is 12 and 6. Mm. Okay. 
Is that his record or something? Must be. I would guess. Or his arm slot angle. <laughs> or his favorite pitch or something. 12-6 curve. All right, what else? I'm having a hard time picking some of these out. Uh, Lourdes Gurel Jr. is hashtag Pena Power Jr. Hmm. Hmm. Mr. Seeds. Uh, Justin Smoke is going to be Moki. Okay. Brock Stewart. Beef Stew. Beef Stew is awesome. <laughs> that is a really good one. Uh, Luke Jackson of the Braves is going to be Skywalker. <laughs> that's pretty good. Skywalker is pretty good. I can handle some of that. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is Yasmanian Devil. Okay. Jeremy Jeffries, you get the bread emoji and the butter emoji, so bread and butter. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. You get your normal ones, you know, Yadi or Molina is Yadi. Mm-hmm. Andrew Miller is Miller time. So I mean, just some some normal ones. I'd say it's a good good fun weekend. Yeah. Craig Kimbrell is Dirty Craig. Didn't they used to do this during the All Star Week? Wasn't this during? No, I think that it's all a merchandising play, and so I think oh, for All Star they have the special All Star caps, and then this is their like late summer before playoff merch run. Okay, that actually that does kind of sound right now because I remember pointing out a few episodes ago that they didn't do the names on the back of the jerseys this year. It's an effort to eke out a little bit of extra um, revenue from all the people about to herd back to football. Right. I would like to point out real quick, Colin McHugh's record is not 12 and 6. It's 3 and 5. Maybe that was his like record, his best season or something. Must have been. Well, nope. Never, never pitched that. I don't know. It must be something there. I'll look into it a little bit. I'll get back to the good people on it. I found one that I like. Uh, there's a guy on the Blue Jays named Trent Thornton, and his nickname is Butters. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Jeff McNeil of the Mets is Flying Squirrel. It's pretty good. It must uh, be a I, clubhouse thing. Jacob DeGrom went with the really original DeGrom. <laughs> Come what on. a loser. God damn it. That's so New York. So Mets. Mm. Vanilla. Really vanilla. I don't know if Max Scherzer should have went with brown eye. That is the best one well, ever. Last year, he was blue eye. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> done that before. Okay. Joey Gallo, Pico de Gallo. That's funny. That's, that's pretty good. good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't hate that. Uh, Hunter Pence is doing where it's like it's ground slash parentheses open, like it makes a face. Not Stinger. Yeah, he didn't nickname uh, himself Stinger. No, that that doesn't play well on radio, though. No, right. Yeah, that's questionable at best. I would say. No, that's uh, that's basically what we get. Okay. Nothing, nothing too unique though this year. Mitch Moreland going with two bags is my least favorite thing. Yeah, he's do- done that every year, so I'm not surprised by that. Still don't like it. It's still, I mean, he's, I don't even think he's really played much this year. He's been hurt a lot this year. So it's one of those things for them. But I mean, that's not surprising. Just. Yeah, that's basically, uh, that's basically it for your weekend nicknames. Okay, pretty good. Here, I'll give you applause for that. <laughs> the one last thing I'd like to, to bring to everyone's attention for this week. Did you guys happen to see that the Tigers were offered 
Javi Baez and Bregman in twenty and offers in twenty seventeen for Michael Fulmer. Oh. And they didn't take it. They held on to him and now he's Tommy John's question mark. Wow. I it hurts to could, miss that one. I mean, Alex Bregman or Javi Baez, arguably two of the best players in baseball. Like top ten probably. Yep. That's crazy for holding. Oh man, that got that doesn't give me a whole lot of faith in how this Tigers rebuild is going to go. Well, they're only thirty-two and seventy-seven right now, and thirty-six and a half back. God, how many? Ugh. What did you say their run differential was? Uh, Detroit's run differential is currently sitting at negative two seventeen. Oh my God, is that the worst? That's got to be close. Yes, it is the worst. Now, do you think Bregman or Baez would be good in Detroit? It's a small market. Um, there's no spotlight on that team because they're crap. Baez and Bregman like the spotlight a lot. I think they might because it would give them a chance to be the spotlight. That's a fair point. That's a very good point. I, you know, with, with low expectations, I can always outperform that sort of thing. Baez and Bregman would both be stealing a hell of a lot more bases out there. No doubt about that. I don't know if Bregman is the exact clubhouse leader type of guy. I actually know that to not be true. <laughs> I was going to say, let's, uh, <laughs> let's walk that up a bit. He's a dickhead. Yeah, that guy sucks out loud, man. He's terrible. <laughs> he doesn't just stink out loud. He sucks out loud. Um, yeah, man, I just I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I mean, that's just such a risk. And uh, I mean, especially when it comes to like, I mean, they were so early on in that rebuild. Why would you not sell on a pitcher? Like, and he was good because I had him in the my first year in our fantasy league. I picked him up whenever I learned how to actually do research properly, and <laughs> he panned out to be excellent and then got hurt. But, I mean, it was just one of those things I let him go the next year and didn't worry about it. And, I mean, I know that he's just fallen off a cliff since then because I've kept an eye on him just out of curiosity alone. Right. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But when you picked him up, did you think, oh, hell yeah, this guy's going to be good in three years? No, I definitely did not. I, I thought, well, it's worth a young prospect kind of coming up and maybe I can hit something like lightning yeah. in a bottle here. That, that was where my head was at and he was good all year. So I didn't, you know, so I was happy that that kind of panned out. And it, ever since then, I feel like I've always kind of had an eye on him. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things you're kind of curious about how it ends up playing out over the long term. Not good, sure. it doesn't seem. Sounds like you should go work for Detroit. No, I'm not interested in that. They don't want me either. <laughs> I know that to be true as well. <laughs> All right. And then Justin would have to drive a Pontiac. Yeah, that would suck. Well, definitely, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out on sensiblyloud.com, your home for podcasts, blogs, and keeping up with all of us. Plus, if you like other podcasts, give them a try. We got Just Peachy. We have Perpetually Correct. And of course, don't forget about On the Break, our basketball podcast. Huge thanks and shout out to J-Mac for producing this and most other episodes. Thank you all so much. We would like to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 77 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling the outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Do you think this podcast was very audible?